0: Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm Mike Bailey. I'm the pastor Harry Gayton, and I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, we are looking forward to what God has for us during this unique time in history, and I want you to know we've been praying for you. I miss seeing you, and I miss shaking hands. I miss social, social engagement, and so... Um, Just know that we're looking forward to that time we can come back and be together. Uh, We're going to continue our series today on the cost of love. And as we return into that, and if you missed any of it, you can go back and watch it online at Media. If you want to get caught up, we did start talking about the hard start, the cost of love, that it had a hard start, that that Jesus had a lot of emotion uh, coming into Jerusalem. And today we're going to look at Jesus's leadership and what did that mean. And one of the things I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, is in times like this, uh, strong leadership is so important. Strong leadership really makes the difference. And as I was thinking of that idea of leadership and and what leads us in a time like this, um, I was kind of brainstorming. What are things that lead me? What are things that motivate me? What are things that guide me? So what I want you to do real quick, if you have a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper, I'll give you a second to go find those things. Come on back. We're going to brainstorm together. What are things that motivate people, that lead people, especially through times like this, crisis times, where there are challenges and and, um, unique uh, challenges to, to this to this time, so one of the things I found that is, is difficult um, and that leads me in these times of, of challenge is my emotions. I don't know about you, uh, but when you see news, it affects you emotionally. Last week, we talked about how emotions affect things. you know emotions have such an impact as they lead us. A lot of us, and and me included, we're led by our emotions and that can be positive and it can be very negative. And so uh, I think we just need to be aware of what's leading us. I think this is another one that's difficult and tricky. Um, Money. I once had a friend who told me that his peace came from his bank account. And if there was a certain amount of zeros in his bank account, it would give him peace. And that's what led him and that's what motivated and and that can be easy to do. And so during this time, is it our money that's giving us uh, hope and is leading us through a very difficult time? And I think this is really the big one. This is the one I feel like we all kind of struggle with is control. Uh, Is control. How much control do I have? How much control is there um, in any of this As we lead through who's going to lead us, what's going to lead us in this very difficult time. And so before we look at that, I want to precede it with prayer. I want to do something a little different there. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, we're told to start prayer with thanksgiving. And and so I just want to give you a moment and and we'll pause here for a second and go ahead and and share with each other uh, what you're thankful for. One thing you're thankful for and then I'll pray and we'll get started. For me right now, I'm extraordinarily thankful to have a healthy family and to be able to be in close relationship right now. And I'm so thankful to God uh, for that. Uh, And it is a blessing that I uh, will not take for granted. Let's pray. Father God, you are an awesome God. And Lord, we ask this morning that as we look into your word and, um, We consider what is leading us, what is guiding us, what is going to help us through this time. We ask, Lord, that your will would be done. We ask that you would show us truth. We ask that you would reveal things to us. You would inspire us in this time, that we would have confidence in you, that we would be brave, that we would be uh, wise, and Lord, that we would have love and compassion for people at this time. Lord, I pray that you would supply everyone that's listening exactly what they need, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, uh, whether it's uh, relational, whatever it is they need. I pray that you'd fill them with that and that they would sense that and they would know that. And Lord, I pray that as we look into this um, topic of what's leading us, what's guiding us, that we would be honest with ourselves and we would be honest with you. And Lord, that um, even now our hearts would be stirred, our minds would be uh, focusing in on you and that the distractions around us would be dissipating, would be disappearing, and and that we would truly be in tune with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to see bigger than today. Help us to see that we are not just temporary beings on this earth, but we are eternal in nature, and that all things, all things will be brought to justice through you, and all things that are of sin will be brought to an end. And so Lord, we want to trust that right now. We want to understand that. And we want to follow you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us now. Give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us understanding. Thank you for, for being a king who leads and guides his people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be looking at a couple of verses from different places in the Bible, but mostly we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew. Um, Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and he recorded some amazing things about what Jesus taught and what happened in Jesus' life. But before we go there, I want to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, Exodus chapter 12. We're going to be looking in the area, if you want to look it up later, in area of verses three and on. This is the account of Passover, and for many of you, you know, this week is Passover. And, and for some, if you have friends, they may be celebrating with a Passover Seder here at the church. Our plans were to have a Passover Seder so we could understand what those um, Israelites, uh, wh- what this Passover meant to them and what it means to us today. But in this time, you have the story of God and Moses. God picks a leader. He picks a man who's an unlikely man, he's actually um, a criminal because he commits murder and then he goes into hiding for a little while. And God calls him and says, I need you, Moses, to go to Egypt and I need you to help my my people be released from slavery, that they've been in uh, bondage. And I'm going to use you as a leader to go and do this. And so Moses reluctantly goes. And uh, as you read the story there in Exodus, you see how God uses his power to reveal that he's a greater God than all the gods of Egypt. And he comes down to this final um, judgment, this final um, plague upon the people of Egypt. And he, he tells Moses to get the assembly or get all the people together. And this is a new year that starts. And in 10 days, um, they are to sacrifice a lamb and then put the blood on the posts of the door. And so he says four days from before that, four days from the point that they're to do this, they're to pick that lamb and that lamb is to be a lamb with no blemish or no flaw. And so Moses reveals this to the people. And uh, four days before this event is to happen, they go find a lamb or a goat, they sacrifice it, they take the blood, they place it over the door, the lentils of the door. And then on that 10th day, the angel of the Lord comes and he kills the firstborn uh, son of all those that inhabit Egypt. And, and we're told at the end of this, that the Pharaoh is so overwhelmed that he says, Moses, get your people out of here. We, we cannot, we cannot uh, have you here anymore because we cannot handle these, these plagues and these curses that have been put upon us. And so Moses leads the people out of Egypt And so when we begin to read now in Matthew, for for the disciples, this is the story. This is 1,500 years prior to their life. This is 1,500 years before Jesus. They've been told their whole life that Moses was this great leader. He was this great man. And what he did is he was used by God to deliver the people out of bondage, to deliver them out of slavery. And so as we begin to read in Matthew, we need to understand that the disciples picture, the picture they have in their mind is this, what you're gonna see, this picture of Moses, this powerful leader, this deliverer, this is what they're equating to Jesus, that he is gonna be a powerful man, that he will walk into Jerusalem, he will go up to any leader, any king, and he will deliver his people and establish a strong, powerful empire that's an Israel empire. And so we have to understand as we enter into this reading that this is the mindset. This is the picture they have in their head of what Jesus is about to do as he's entering Jerusalem. And they're excited because they have been told about this their whole life. They've studied this. Um, they, they're celebrating this event about Moses and the Passover. And so they are so uh, anticipating such big things from Jesus. And, and they're beginning to move in there into um, That time as they enter in Jerusalem, and this is what it says in Matthew 21, 6 through 11. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought a donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now, this was a prophecy made 500 years before this about a Messiah And it said in Zechariah 9, 9, he says this about Jesus. He says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So 500 years before Jesus, Zechariah, who's a prophet, meaning he's a, one that speaks for, for God. He says that there's going to be a king coming to Jerusalem and that king is going to ride a donkey. And now the disciples have gone and they probably are very aware of this prophecy. And they're getting this donkey and their, their anticipation is growing. Their excitement is growing because they are being led by a powerful leader. And they trust this leader. They've put their lives in, in his hands. They're calling his disciples, which means his students, they are trying to emulate him and, and be his, um, be in line with him so that when he establishes his kingdom, they can be part of it. And so their picture, their, the view of Jesus to them is conquering king, that he's coming in. And so as they go into the city, of, it says in verse eight, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road as well. And so first the disciples have this picture of a of a conquering king and, and they're thinking of um, this, this this image of a king returning from battle. In those days, if a a king was victorious, um, he would return to the city and they would have a parade. And many times he would ride on a horse or a chariot. And so this is what they're picturing. Uh, Jesus is coming in as a conquering king. And this is the image they have. And now you have a crowd that has gathered, a crowd, this very large crowd. And now we've gone from the disciples to the crowd and the crowd is getting excited because they sense this leader is coming in. And one of the things that was part of um, celebrating a victory or receiving a king was to cut off the the palm branch because the palm branch represented victory. And uh, they would have this image, many of the coins of that day, as you see this coin, would have a palm branch on it because the coin with the palm branch, the palm branch actually represented victory and it represented authority and power. And so they placed the palm branches on the ground, and as Jesus is coming in, not only do they put the palm branches on the ground, but they put their coats on the ground. And I was thinking about this. How many times in your life have you ever taken your coat off and put it on the ground for someone to walk on? That's a powerful gesture. That is saying something uh, very powerful about what you believe And what you perceive. And so these people were were believing that this was a great leader that was coming in. The crowd had joined around him and they were uh, beginning to establish him as this authority that was returning to Jerusalem. Even in Revelation chapter seven, we're told an event that has not yet happened, that those of us who know Christ, if you know Christ as your savior, there is a day coming where we're told in Revelation uh, chapter seven, verse nine, that there will be a, a crowd that's so large it can't be numbered that will be holding palm branches as we celebrate the victory of Christ. And so this idea of of victory is so powerful and so important, and they understood that. And so they were trusting this kind of leader. This was the leader they believed would bring them um, hope, would bring them a future, would would bring a power back to the Israel people. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so now we see the crowd is building. There's this tension building within the crowd and and they're beginning to to sing his praises. So Hosanna is a a term of praise. They're saying, praise God, uh, the king is coming. And they equate him to who? They equate him to King David. And if you know the story of King David, you know that amazing story where David goes against the giant Goliath and he overpowers him with a slingshot and with his faith in God. And so now this image has changed. Jesus is no longer the returning king, but he is the king in the, in the order of King David. And so this picture now is being revealed of King David and in their minds, this is the time that Israel's about to get uplifted and, and life's going to be better and everything's going to uh, turn around for, our, for the, Israel, the Israelis, the Israelites. And so they're trusting in this. This is what they're thinking. This is where their point of reference is. In verse 10, it says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And here's what they do. They asked, who is this? And the crowds answered. The disciples didn't answer. Jesus didn't answer. The crowds answered. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so it's interesting here as as we've studied Jesus, we know who he is. He lived in Nazareth, but he was not from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem and he wasn't a prophet. And so the crowd actually got it wrong. He was more than a prophet and his place of origin was the city of David, Bethlehem. And so in their mind though, in their, in their view of him, they had a picture that he was like Elijah. Elijah the prophet that went against the 400 false prophets of Baal. And here's this picture in their mind of this powerful leader that everyone is intimidated by. This powerful leader that will lead them through this crisis, will lead them through this struggle, will lead them to victory and everything will be right in their lives. And this is the picture they've been building in their hearts and in their minds about how they're going to make it through, how they're going to survive, how they're going to cope with the realities of life. It's interesting earlier uh, when in Matthew, he records this amazing conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. It's very similar to what the crowd asked. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? That's what he called himself, the son of man. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, there was only one person who really knew who he was. There was only one person who really understood what it meant by all these prophecies and all these things that had been said thousands of years before he entered the scene. There was only one person that understood as the donkey was brought to him and and as the the cloaks were put on the ground and and as the the palm branches were put on, there's only one person who really understood who was going to be the leader, who would lead, not just those people, not just the Hebrew people, but all that would follow into salvation, into hope, into a future. And that's Christ. You see, right now, we can put our trust in the government. We can put our trust in money. We can put our trust in our ability to control things. But all of those things are limited. And all of those things will fall short. You see, when I think about this question of what or who will lead us in a time like this, there's an answer given to us. There's an answer of a humble servant. There's an answer of a leader of disciples. One that had lived a perfect life. And had come to earth for this purpose, this mission. You see right now, I believe as we go through this time, the only true answer, the only true answer to any of our problems, to any of these issues, is Jesus. When I look at Jesus, I see the leader that's going to lead us no matter what. No matter what the challenge is no matter what the issue is, no matter what the obstacles are. He is the one that will lead us. And and where does he want to lead us today? I believe there's three areas in this moment of of challenge, this very unique time in history. I believe there's three areas he wants to lead us in. First, I believe he wants to lead us in peace. Um, In this time, we need peace. And so where does Jesus lead us when it comes to peace? Well, he leads us to right relationship with God. You know, when we think about peace, the opposite of peace is war. And I need to be led to a place where I'm at peace with God. You need to be led to a place where you're at peace with God. And, and that means that um, there needs to be an end to that battle. You know, from, for parts of my life, I resisted God. I was, at, I was battling him. And maybe that's where you are today. And maybe that's the first place you need to follow Jesus as your leader, is to peace with God. I think the next area is peace with yourself. During these times, Jesus can lead us to peace with ourselves. I feel like we beat ourselves up or we think much greater of ourselves than we ought. Um, It can be very difficult to have a healthy view of yourself. But I believe when you follow Jesus, he helps you get to that place where you have a healthy view of yourself, that you're not um, feeling completely useless, or you're also understanding that, that life is much more about others than it is yourself and learning to serve others. I believe in the area of your relationships. Uh, for many of us, being in a house now with, with people that we haven't been around at this level, it can be very challenging. It can be very revealing. And yet I believe when we follow our leader, we follow Christ. He leads us to peace in these circumstances. He teaches us peace. He teaches us resolution and, and how to deal with conflict. And then another big aspect I believe that Jesus leads us in as our king, as our, as our Lord, and, and what he died on the cross for is that we can have peace in all circumstances that we can have peace in the midst of a virus, we can have peace in the midst of a job loss, we can have peace in the midst of, of losing loved ones, that that peace passes all understanding because it is an eternal peace. It is a peace that Jesus established on the cross, that when he died on that cross, and, and, and it's an image, it's not an image we think of when we think of a, a king or a savior, but it is the image of Jesus on the cross that he took that burden, he took the sin, and he paid for it, and then he rose from the grave so that we could have peace and so that we could have life. The second area I believe that, that Jesus wants to lead us to through this time is the area of perseverance. Jesus persevered. As he began this journey into Jerusalem, he persevered knowing that nobody really knew what was going on, that they all had a misunderstanding, that even in their rejoicing about him, even in their celebrating of him, they were misunderstanding what he had come and was coming to do. He persevered when the crowd went from Hosanna to crucify him. In one less than a week period, that same crowd that has received Christ goes from celebrating and worshiping to asking for his death. And and not just any death, but the death of a criminal. But he persevered. He persevered through life. He persevered through challenge. He was tempted in every way that we have been, and yet he did not sin. He persevered, and he calls us as we follow him to persevere. Right now, you may be feeling stress. Right now, um, you may be in a very difficult situation, a new situation in your life. Maybe this has brought about a very new challenge. And Jesus is saying, persevere. I am with you. I will guide you. I will protect you through this. Um, If you place your faith and trust in me, then you have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. And so in these moments, if we follow him as our leader, I believe he calls us to follow him through times of of distress, times of challenge, times of um, upheaval, and to persevere and to never give up. And maybe we fall down and maybe we fall short and maybe we fall into temptation. He says, get back up and persevere. Keep going. Maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you made a big mistake. It's all right. His grace will cover you. But he wants you to get back up and persevere and continue on the path that he's given you. And then finally, I believe where Jesus is leading us, this this king, this true picture of who Jesus is, this true identity of what he's come to do. He's inviting us. He's inviting you closer. He's inviting you to be more intimate. He's inviting you to love him more. He's inviting you to know God more. He's inviting you to this amazing, overwhelming relationship that you can have. Every single day, every single morning, every single hour of the day, you can be in relationship. You can be in communion. You can be um, talking to and listening to God. That Jesus is is inviting us to follow him every day, one step closer. Uh, One of the things we talk about every Sunday is taking that next step. Jesus is inviting us to a next step every day. He's inviting you to a next step right now. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know the stress or anxiety or the joy or happiness that you're, you're having at this moment. But I do know that Jesus wants you to go further. And he wants you to take another step. And not only does he want you, he's not only inviting you to do that. He's inviting the people in the room to do that. He's inviting your neighbors. He's inviting everyone on this planet to take a step with him. To take a next step with him to walk with him and to know him. And so where, uh, where can you be faithful in that? Who is it that you need to invite? Who is it that, that you need to share with this message of the true leader, the true king, the one that will be with that person no matter what happens, the one that will guide us through this time of adversity, the one that will guide us through this time of challenge? Who is God putting on your heart to invite to take a step or to take a next step my encouragement, maybe right now, I can invite you. Maybe this is your opportunity. Maybe God's speaking to your heart right now. And he's saying, take a step, trust me. You know, I I look at these other things we write down. Can I really trust my emotions? Is that gonna get me through? Is that gonna provide for me? Is that gonna give me peace and assurance? Can I really trust money? Can I really trust that my money will provide and and give me a future? Can I really trust the control I have? Can I trust these things with my life and my heart and my soul and my family? Jesus is inviting us to trust him. It's interesting in in Romans 10 verse 9, it says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right in this moment, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, if you want him to lead you and to guide you for the rest of your life, he's inviting you to that. He's inviting you to this personal relationship. And it begins in your heart. And I must confess saying, I believe that all these other things are not going to get me to where I want to go. And I, and, I, and I confess that I have sinned and I have fallen short and I am not perfect. And I'm just as messy as this world is. But I believe that when you died on that cross and you were the true leader and you sacrificed for love, I believe when you, when you offer me this gift that it is true and that I can receive it. I want to receive that. I want to know that. I want to know today that everything's going to be okay. That I am set in you. It's not about my ability or the things I can control, but it's about you and what you've done for me. And I want to receive that today. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. If that's you right now, if you're stirring in your heart and you want to make that decision, please, please, you can pray with someone. You can go to our website and contact us and we'd love to walk through that with you. Um, There's so many opportunities. Don't keep this to yourself. Please share this. Allow someone, especially here at our church or any church, to follow up with you and, and give you some information on how to continue that walk, how to begin that journey. Now, for many of you watching, you've made that decision. You've asked the Lord to be your leader. You've asked the Lord to be your Savior. I think these are the times when he reveals to us how important it is to live that. How can you live that tomorrow? How can you live that today? We have an amazing and unique opportunity. As we're home, we have our schedule, and we can be very uh, proactive in the time we set aside to pray, the time we set aside to study God's Word, and the time we set aside just to listen to God and to allow Him to speak into our hearts, and speak into our minds. And then also when he talks to us, that we're obedient and that we follow through with what he calls us to do, whether it's to serve or to give or whatever he calls you to, I would encourage you to be faithful to that. That's the opportunity we have today. That's how I believe we get through these times. And that's the leadership that I trust is worth following. All of that leadership was established on the cross. Here at Gaten, the first Sunday of every month, uh, we uh, celebrate and remember what Jesus did on the cross and what he told his disciples during Passover. Uh, In the description, or or there will be a link somewhere where you can find, uh, connected to this, this video, where you can learn about Passover. Passover is such an amazing thing for us to know and it's an amazing thing for, for us to see how Jesus was so um, intricately a part of Passover. And I would encourage you, as you learn about Passover, you're going to learn about um, this matzah. It's unleavened bread. It's, it's um, unleavened for a purpose because the leaven represented sin. And there had to be a sin-free um, sacrifice for us. And it has stripes and it has been pierced. And we're told that Christ was pierced and he was striped for our sin And uh, it's interesting when you go through a Passover Seder that you learn about something called the Afikomen, where uh, this is what Jesus was using when he was with his disciples. When he took that bread, he was revealing this bread that has been brought from a hidden place and um, that it is broken and shared with everyone to eat. And so that's what we remember. And even though we can't gather here physically to remember this, um, you at home, what an awesome opportunity to learn and grow and and to learn more about what this meant to Jesus and his disciples. And so the afikomen represented the perfect sacrifice Jesus was revealing about himself. And in the, the Passover Seder, you have four cups that you drink from. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. This is the cup that Jesus takes when he is declaring for them to remember. This is the new covenant. This is the new commitment he's making with his blood. And so as you uh, consider this, and, and you can do this at home, you can do this with your family, you can do this alone, but just taking these moments to consider, the whole point of communion is remembrance. It's remembrance, and it is allowing myself to really engage with the fact that I have been set free, that Christ's blood has covered my sins, that his body has been broken to pay for my brokenness. And so today, even though we can't gather together and we can't remember together and physical, we can in the spiritual. And so I'd encourage you sometime today, either get alone or with the group you're with and just pray. And if you have these elements to reflect on them and to talk about what does it mean for God's body, for Jesus's body to be broken for you? What does it mean for his blood to be shed for you? And how is that impacting you today? What does that mean in light of your life right now? Well, I want you to be encouraged. Uh, We are living in a time when our faith is being revealed. And my prayer is that there's a new boldness growing within you. My prayer is that there's an excitement about the potential of what God can do with your life. My prayer is that your love for God grows And then even through uncertain times, you become more certain of who God is and what he has for you. And so this week, we want to offer something this this Wednesday night at 630. Uh, We want to invite you to join us for a prayer time. We want to gather to pray. We want to be in unison speaking to God. We're told throughout scripture, the importance of praying. Uh, when, when Jesus gives us his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it is a, is a plural. He gives it to a group, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is a prayer for all of us. And so we want to join together and we want to pray together. I would invite you to join us in that. I'd also invite you to either share this service with someone you know, either on Instagram or Facebook or, or however you do social media, or Put things in your own testimony, things that God has done in your life and share those on your posts because what God is doing in your life is powerful. What God is doing in your life is meaningful and you don't know how that will impact someone who will read that and be encouraged and and God can use that to, to invite them into his family. And so let's be open. Let's be listening to God as he speaks to us and let's follow Jesus as our leader. Um, As a pastor, I follow Jesus. As a church, we follow Jesus. He is our leader. He's the one that's going to guide us through this. And that's why we don't fear. We don't have anxiety, but we have hope and joy because our future is set in him. And I hope you know that today. And I'll be praying for you. I pray that you'd be praying for us. And uh, I look forward to being able to talk to you again. God bless. Have a great week.